City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Inside the Hive. Chase, the trade deadline is just nine days away. Are you getting excited? Are you afraid? How are you feeling as the trade deadline approaches? This is our second, this is our last part before our final trade deadline live show, which is going to be live on Twitter. First of all, uh, just like I am for the live show, which everybody should tune into on February 9th, it's going to be around the time that the trade deadline actually happens, which is 4 p.m. Uh, I'm very excited for both of those things, for the actual show and for the trade deadline itself. Uh, I think this year, at least from a Hornets fan perspective, there's more to look forward to. I mean, we didn't necessarily expect the the Montrose Herald trade last year, but even then, that's not an, uh, a big blockbuster move that you know the fan base is going to be raving about for months. The year before that was just Brad Wanamaker, when a lot of people expected them to make a bigger push uh, towards the playoffs. So this year, it's it's not uh, to make the team more competitive, unfortunately. But a lot of players uh, in Buzz City are buzzing around in the the rumor mill right now. A lot of expiring contracts that could be moved. A couple of solid veterans. There's a there's a lot to to look at for the Hornets this year. There absolutely is. And if, if you want Hornets content for Trade Deadline, you don't have to just wait till next week because on today's podcast, we have Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, author of Built to Lose. Uh, Jake is probably, I'd say, top, I'd say top five. You said top three, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Of I think like after, sh- after Woj and Shams, I think he's, he's definitely the most reliable, prominent uh, newsbreaker. Absolutely. And we had him on the podcast for about 20 minutes. He was very generous with his time, a very busy time of year for him. And we talked everything from uh, Hornets trade value, the front office, Miles Bridges situation. There's a ton of useful little nuggets of info in there. So make sure you listen to that uh, the last 20 minutes or so of the podcast. But before that, we are going to talk a little bit real, not real, because there's been a lot of scuttlebutt trade scuttlebutt going around the internet from a lot of accounts who you don't ever seem to hear from apart from at this time of years and we're going to try and investigate kind of some of these rumors and which ones we think are are real and are not real so chase are you ready i'm ready let's kick it off okay um i'm going to start on one that i found which was from uh about jalen mcdaniels from shams terrania who 
during his like latest trade scuttlebutt article, he stated that uh, teams with interest in cap space this offseason, such as the Jazz, Pacers, and Spurs, may opt until free agency to court McDaniels, who will be an unrestricted free agent, instead of trading an asset to acquire him now. Um, Chase, what do you think? Do you do you believe that reporting from Shams? Do you think that sounds accurate, straightforward? Are we saying that's real or not real? Uh, that one is definitely real, I think. I mean, from the other team's perspective, I mean, if you're the Spurs, the Jazz, or the Pacers, or even any of the other teams that are thinking about trading him that we haven't heard about, Jalen McDaniels is an unrestricted free agent. Second round pick does not have a normal rookie scale deal like PJ Washington. Uh, after four years, PJ is a restricted free agent. The Hornets have right to match any deal. Jalen can just seek any deal and leave even for the sake of it. If he, if the Hornets offer him more money, he could take less and go somewhere else. If you're another team, uh, unless there's really no sort of prohibitive asking price, like the Hornets just want maybe a, a second or two, like another no. young player or something like no. that, like, which I don't think is the case. You're right. No. Uh, I don't think that there's any reason for another team to, you know, outbid what could be themselves uh, at the end the off season. Cause even if the Hornets hold on to him, he, he could still, still depart for another team. Yeah. And even if they do trade for him, what's to say that he doesn't then go sign somewhere That's else. True. The That's also like, true. You, you hope you have the back channels with the agents to be like, look, if we're trading something, you know, for them to trade McDaniels for me, it's going to have to be like a late first or like a good yeah, player. I agree. And for, for them to do that, I think they'd have to have that agreement that look, you're going to resign here, right? You know, they're off the record back channel discussions. So, I agree. I definitely think real. Um, and yeah, the Jazz Pacers and Spurs, interesting to see kind of those teams specifically linked. Those are the teams that have got cap space. But look, so does Charlotte. And his cap hold is like 3.7 million. So they can bring him back. No problem. This, being able to have the money to retain Jalen McDaniels will not be the issue. It'll be whether they were willing to pay him uh and whether he wants to be back here and, and as i've written on hornets aside they can extend him right now which i know we've discussed before um okay let's let's move on to another real not real uh you give why don't you give me the one that you found all right so this is one that i found and not to say that it's truthful uh in its entirety but i actually quite quite like this one i'd be quite a fan if this came to fruition in any way uh Io Desunmu of the chicago bulls is generating some trade interest per sam amico of hoopswire.com uh, and the pistons and hornets are two teams with interest very vague report uh generating some trade interest probably applies there are 450 players in the nba that probably applies to about 250 players uh, or so, maybe even more than that. Uh, and then two teams with interest. Again, th that is not necessarily overly specific, but the Hornets and Ayodesunmu and Trade were in the same tweet sentence together. Uh, so I think that counts. Uh, personally, I think it's probably uh, not real, uh, just given the lack of specificity there. But personally, I like that. Ayodesunmu would be a great fit on this team kind of yeah. just like young dennis Smith well, tell Jr., us about Ayodesunmu. for the people who've not seen i what makes you what makes you like it so Ayodesunmu is essentially a combo guard at this point he's six five so he's got plenty of size that you know they're not not many other players in the hornets backcourt have other than lamello so he kind of fits with most lineups that steve clifford would be able to put out there 
he is not a great shooter from three point uh, three point range. He's kind of regressed in that regard, but he's a very good defender. He's a pretty strong, super aggressive. He has that kind of dog mentality that not many players on the Hornets really have on defense right now. Uh, so I think that would be a pretty seamless fit uh, on this roster. I think he'd play a lot right away if the Hornets traded for him. He'd probably be fairly productive given that his role would likely be bigger than it is with the Bulls right now. So I, I'd be a fan of that one. What about you? I don't know. I mean, you say who you think his role will be bigger with the Bulls. He's obviously starting right now because Alonzo. What, what, yeah, right. what role do you see him playing in Charlotte? Where do you see him, his minutes kind of being taken from if he were to end up in Charlotte? Yeah, well, I, I probably long-term, I would say his role would be bigger. The Bulls aren't planning to start him, but I mean, as, as things have gone, you're right that with Lonzo being out the entire year, he's started 39 games already. But I think in Charlotte, he's pretty clearly the third guard long-term, uh, even if they were to re-sign him in some way. Like, I think that that would be something they would definitely look into if they were going to be trading for him. Uh, he's a good fit, I think, with with the backcourt. Uh, when you say needs... third guard, do you mean the first one off the bench, or do you mean yeah, third like, point guard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the third guard in the rotation okay. in terms of the depth chart, like that. If you were to just group like guards, wings, bigs, I think it'd be Lamelo, ideally like a maybe a second star, like creator type, and then Iodasumu is like more your defensive specialist, playmaker, occasional shooter, scorer type. That I think that's a very good role for him going forward for especially for a team like the Hornets who don't have another guard like that at all like he, he would be the the unique uh, skill set among that group I would say okay if we if we go back and look at the real not real um I'm gonna say for that one not real the reason being of where it's come from which is Sam Amico which um if you if you search for Sam Amico and Sam Amico on Twitter you will find there's like a Simpsons meme of someone checking their hand and it says Sam Amico equals bad, Sam Amic equals good. And they are two reporters who have very similar <laughs> names, but they are not the same person. Sam Amic writes for The Athletic and is a very kind of well-respected reporter. Sam Amico, um, he works for obviously Hoops Wire and is well known for throwing out a lot of stuff. Let's just put it that way, right? And we've talked in the past about guys who kind of Popper, if the only time that you really see or hear from people is like in the two weeks after the trade deadline, which is kind of what happens with Sam Hamico, then that's normally a little bit of a, of a red flag. Not saying that they can't be right. Like broken clock is right, whatever, two times a day. That's the saying. Uh, but I'm saying with this one, not real. I, ju I just don't think the Hornets are likely to be kind of buyers for young players in this yeah. in this trade deadline. Uh, I don't have a particular issue with Ayodosumu. I think... He would make some sense, but I think there's a lot of other fires that I would be looking to put out and tackle first. Yeah, I think the, in general, any rumor that connects the Hornets as a buyer, I think, is much less likely to be true than as a seller for this trade deadline season, unfortunately. I agree. Okay, let's go on to our next one. Uh, Matt Moore from the Action Network had, in his kind of trade intel piece recently, Mason Plumlee is another center said to have said to be available for a first round pick. Chase, real or not real, is Mason Plumley? Well, of course he's available for a Yeah, I was going to say, that. that's but, definitely real. <laughs> but the, the way it's phrased suggests that he is only available for a first-round pick. He doesn't say that, but you, you phrase that in a certain way with the first-round pick next to it. Uh, are you saying real or not real on Mason Plumley being a first-round pick cost for an opposing team? I don't – I would say not real. I don't think that 
you know, the Hornets front office is sitting there. Like if we don't get a first round pick offer or an offer that includes a first round pick for Mason Plumlee, we're just not going to move him. We're going to take it into unrestricted free agency when we have two, and if not three young centers on the roster that we really need to be able to give minutes to going forward. If they're going to pan out in any way, uh, I, I can't see that being their mindset right now. I think that if they got a good offer that included like multiple second round picks and another player or like a young player that they liked or something. I think that would probably be fine. Of course he is definitely available for a first round pick. If, if another team is offering that uh, and I wouldn't be surprised either with how the year has gone for him, but I, w- I, I, I do think that he is very likely to be moved regardless of whether or not uh, a first round pick is coming in back or, you know, two seconds or something like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you on this one. I I just see no way that how the Hornets would get a first-round pick unless it's one of these teams that has like 25 first-round picks in the next four years and they trade like their worst one. Like, I don't know, the, twi- the, Oklahoma the Denver City. first. Well, there you go. Oklahoma City have got a lot of first-round picks. But, I mean, Mason is not starting on any playoff team. He's probably not going to close for them. So if you're a contending team, you do not give up first-round picks to get a backup center who like might not even be able to get on the floor in like the later stages of the playoffs, depending if like, opposing teams go small. Um, so I just think that's, that's just bonkers as well as he's playing. It, it almost doesn't matter. Just like look at the situations around the league for contenders who would apply for, who would trade for him. And also he's not even like under contract for multiple years. He is an expiring this off season. So a first round pick for what, three months, um it just it seems not real to me so that it was it was interestingly phrased from Matt Moore but do I think Mason Plumlee is going to be traded for a first I would I would bet a lot of money on no yeah I think I would probably lean that way as well as much as uh we would like to see Mason Plumlee be shipped out I mean there it, it does kind of make sense though for one of these teams at the bottom of the first round if you're not looking to spend money on a rookie contract and have that kind of locked down, you just get an expiring that comes off the books. You can use that money in whatever way you choose. But the problem with that is that there are not many teams at the bottom of the first round that own their draft picks right now or that own their draft picks in the future. Like 27 through 30 are all already traded, one of them being to Charlotte uh, from Denver. Uh, India, Cleveland already traded their 24th pick to Indiana. So... There's only there are very few suitors before the the first round picks start getting far too valuable to give up even for a player that's going to contribute a lot to a playoff run. Agreed. Okay, next one, real or not real? Um, this is from Madeline Kenny from the San Jose Mercury News, which is a a California Bayside obviously outlet, saying that Golden State can make a run for Spurs big man Yaka Pertle or Hornets forward PJ Washington. Um. PJ Washington, I think, is someone who it's been theorized could be a fit for Golden State with like his play style, mm-hmm. the size of his contract, some of the young players at Golden State maybe got available. Um, but I, I've not seen it really reported before. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Real or not real? I think I'm going to lean towards not real. Uh, all the rumblings around PJ Washington as of late seem to be that the Hornets want to keep him. I remember Zach Lowe said on the low post podcast in a recent episode that they seem determined, I think was the word that he used, uh, to keep PJ Washington and re-sign him, uh, past this season, especially in light of what happened with Miles Bridges. I think the long-term security 
uh, at the four spot with PJ is something that the team wants to lock down here. In terms of the Golden State thing, I actually do. I mean, that does make sense that they would be interested in PJ Washington. Uh, he can. He's both young and easier to match salary with right now, and also can contribute. Also, right now, like going forward for this season, he could be uh, you know a backup five. He could play the four. He can kind of be you know a malleable fit there with their both offense and defensive systems that would cater to his skill set. Um, but I, I don't think that that one's a real rumor unfortunately uh for golden state warriors fans and for hornets fans that you know a lot of hornets fans i think have been out on pj washington for a while but i'm glad that they're keep at least seem like they're keeping him around right now yeah i I wouldn't class myself as someone who's out i know you weren't saying it was but i'm just yeah i'm someone who i'm in and out on a daily basis as I'm as inconsistent as PJ is in terms of when he plays. I feel like that's definitely fair, though. It's it's a roller coaster more than any other player I can remember probably like in recent Charlotte Hornets history of when he's good, he's great. And when he is bad, he is like non-existent, like he's not out there. Um, I found a stat uh, the other day, though, that was I thought was pretty interesting. And I'd I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it as well. Uh, I I was reading about it, uh, just looking through like his game logs and stuff, because I was like, is uh, obviously he could be more consistent. Like, I'm not arguing that at all. But is he truly as inconsistent as one would be led to believe? Uh, I mean, the answer to that was likely to be no anyway, because fans tend to get more worked up about their own the players on their own team that they watch every night. But there have only been 10 games this season where P.J. Washington has scored in the single digits, which, you know, that's a lot, I guess, if considering yeah, his early the, season role. shooting percentages in that and the total, you know, like single figures, not single figures. How many games did he have zero rebounds? How many times did he shoot under like 40% from the field? I, I think it's for me, it's more like nuanced than just does he score or not? Yeah, that, I mean, that's definitely fair. But I think that like, in terms of like nightly production, it's definitely there at a higher rate than he gets credit for. I think like he's not really f- just like fading into the background and not contributing as often as it may it's made out to be. And he's also played in all but one game. The only game he missed was due to the birth of his child. So that's like an unseen level of durability for this Hornets team. I think Mason Plumlee is the only player that, is true. that comes close to him in terms of games played this year but so i mean I, I think he he gets a little bit of credit for that obviously too but uh, i i i think that the i mean he has a met like i think he's 12 20 point games he scored 31 in october uh he's had he's had some highlights as well as the the lowlights but i mean yeah. the inconsistent that's part of being inconsistent i suppose so it is i it, it, on that report if it's between yaka pertle and pj washington all i will say is pertle will be a much cheaper Sorry, a much more expensive guy to pursue for Golden State. Like Definitely. he'll be probably like two first round picks. I don't think Charlotte would quite have the same asking price for PJ Washington, and could maybe kind of like be more open to some of the the young players as well. I was going to say if they were were willing to move Kuminga or Moody or something like that, I yeah. think that that would be a very likely possibility for if the Hornets wanted to trade PJ that that would be something that they do. I think before this year, Wiseman also made some sense as well, but yeah. Now, like you already look at the crowded front court, I, I think that just makes it even more complicated. And um, yeah, I think he needs to find somewhere that he can he can play some minutes. Really, um, okay. Moving on, this is our last real or no real before we speak to Jake Fisher of Who Sports, uh, and it's about Terry Rozier. And this was actually on Jake Fisher's 
podcast uh, with Mark Stein the other day where Mark Stein said, and I quote, Terry Rozier is the guy the teams are really going after. He's a lot of fans around the league, which is kind of interesting because I think he's probably a bit of a divisive player. I mean, actually, we talk about that a little bit with Jake on the podcast about how he is divisive amongst the league. Um, but interesting to hear that from Mark Stein. Uh, real or no real, what are you saying? Definitely real. I, I definitely believe that. Uh, I remember like two years ago, there was that rumor because uh, it was like Terry uh, posted a story of himself putting suitcases in a car oh, or yeah. something like that uh, and then was that. on a plane. And it was like people thought that he had gotten traded. To, I think it was the Clippers, I think, was the, was the yes. rumor that he had gotten traded there. So, I mean, this has been around for a long time. And it's not like hornets fans being positing trades at like like their lakers fans being like terry rozier uh for jason tatum jalen brown and two first round picks or something like that uh like it, it's all like other teams various other teams being like rumored interest at any certain level right now it's phoenix seems to be the hottest name but i that doesn't surprise me at all that there are a lot of people around the league that like him he's a veteran scorer uh, very reliable shooter apart from the cold stretch he had for a month or two this year uh, over the course of four years now he's he's been a very high volume dynamic shooter so I think a lot of teams are going to place a lot of stock in that he had, definitely has a playoff level like mentality confidence he's been there with, with Boston before he had that run uh, in his second season so I definitely I definitely believe that one I think Rozier is probably one of the players who the media who podcast and write about trades and who analyze players probably like underrate absolutely more so than the like the wider NBA teams. Like when you hear some of the reports um, that come out from teams, they're really positive. But when you hear like other people talk about Terry's there, they're just like, oh, terrible extension, blah blah blah. People that and, people that evaluate basketball, I think, have a much higher opinion of players of Terry's archetype so. than fans or analysts or whatever people see him as an undersized inefficient chucker who can't create and like i i can understand why you could describe him that way because of like individual aspects but you're like forgetting about all the things that he does really well and you're forgetting about the situation that he's probably been in in charlotte especially this year with injuries that probably led to some of those assumptions um like some some playoff team definitely sees him as a guy that can put up 15 points in a quarter of a first round series and like they essentially win you a game which is true because he's done that with the hornets it's just not of in situations of that magnitude and you have to get there to be able to do that so yeah and you look at guys like jordan Poole last year for the warriors Derek white you know combo guards having moments who can who can score like White's obviously a much better defender than Terry, but like those, those kind of guys can have moments. Um, so yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying real with that one too. I think teams see a distressed asset on a Hornets team that is struggling to go anywhere. And like, if the Hornets were good, he would not be available. And he is, and he's locked in for four years after this one, I think. So like he is, you can, you can, you know what you're getting out of Terry's ear. You know what the prediction you're getting, and you know he's going to be locked into that price. Um, so I, I think real with that one too. Okay, um, that brings our uh, segment to an end for real or no real on Hornets trade rumors. We're going to go for a break now. Then after we come back, we're going to have Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports talking all things Hornets trade deadline. We'll catch you after the break. Stay tuned for this one, folks. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, 
and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're counting down to Super Bowl 57, and new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 off in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with a stepped-up same-game parlay. Take a shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. I've already put on my bets. I put a little parlay together of the Eagles just to win straight. And then I also took the money line for the Bengals, who I think are down to plus odds now. So make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show notes for details. Okay, we are now joined by Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports and also the author of Built to Lose. Jake, thank you very much for taking the time to come on. Oh, I just I had to hear you say Yahoo in your accent. So now now I can go go, uh, go to sleep easily tonight. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I'm- as I said off air, I apologize for my voice. I screamed it away in the Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday, but ha- happy to talk Hornets, uh, you know, buzz, buzz basketball with you guys. Let's do it. No, absolutely. And I think the way this Hornets season has gone, a lot of fans are looking towards the trade deadline for some sense of hope, some just for <laughs> something to happen that they can try and get excited about. So we're, we're really thrilled to have you on. And we're, we're going to touch trade deadline stuff, but we're also going to look at Hornets a little bit big picture too. Um, I mean, firstly, just tell us a little about you. Obviously, you're at Bleach Report before this last summer. You made a, an off-season move to Yahoo Sports. Uh, tell us about uh, – well, congratulations. And tell us about you. how your move's gone so far. Thank you. The move's been great, man. I mean, shout-out to my old coworkers at Bleach Report that uh, you know, helped a lot along the way, and we did some some good, some cool, cool good stuff together. Uh, but, yeah, has been – pretty incredible experience so far uh just a lot of veterans and really good people that uh support me uh support each other want to do great work and uh there's definitely like a like a real commitment to journalism and like thoroughness and reporting there that um i've come to appreciate and uh and respect and admire about my my colleagues so it's been great i mean i think we've done a lot of similar you know intel notebook type stuff um that obviously gets unfortunately most of the attention uh online but it's been cool also to get back into like a feature writing role that i had at sports illustrated a little bit before bleach report so i've done some stuff i went to sacramento and did a whole thing with the kings and i sat down with jordan Poole and did a profile on him i did a profile on calvin booth recently um Blanking on other ones that I've done because it's uh, 11 a.m. and I don't really function well before noon. Um, <laughs> totally but, understandable. Yeah, but it's been good. And like post, <clears throat> excuse me, post deadline, I'm like excited to. There's a couple of stories I, um, you know, want to go fly to and figure out some things. So it's it's a, it's been a very it's been a dream of an opportunity to say the least. Well, I was going to say the Calvin Booth piece I, I read myself and I was going to recommend that, but you, you've already recommended it there. But that's a really interesting one to go read for our, for our listeners. Also a published author, and I, I showed this to Chase earlier, uh, to prove that I've read your book. And I'm not oh, just yeah. one of the people who says I've read your book when you come on. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank um, you. 
I actually read your book on the day. I finished your book the day I got engaged. How about that? On holiday wow. in Turkey. There you go. So there's the story. You'll always remember. You'll always remember that you read Bill to Lose. I will. And um, yeah, if, for those like interested in tanking in the NBA, definitely recommend going to read that. In fact, me and Chase were just talking before you came on, Jake. And between 2015 to 18, the four worst teams in the NBA won the draft lottery four years in a row. And mm. we just looked at what the odds of that were. Do you, do you know that off the top of your head? Well, I mean, each team only had a 25% chance. If you do the, you know, the whole factorial thing, my quick mental math would probably be probably like a 5% chance, something like that. That's what Chase said. I, I Googled it and hoping to try and not have my maths be the reliance here. And Google seems to suggest it was one in 125, one in 256 opportunity, which... So way, which way lower than 5%, 0.5%. <laughs> yes, maybe that's 0.5%, which blew my mind a little bit. But No, it, just it is crazy because it's also a huge reason, not to interrupt you, but it, it's a huge reason why the lottery odds are what exactly. they are. And, you know, that's not, that wasn't, it was a very rare circumstance for that to occur that way. So it, yeah, it is would, pretty, would it ever change? Would it ever have changed the lottery odds if those four years in a row didn't happen? Unanswerable questions, maybe. I honestly, I mean, as someone who spent, you know, way too much time talking about the subject matter, uh, I can almost guarantee you, this is just based off of, you know, my understanding of the league, nothing like tangible, but I can almost guarantee you that if, Every single year during that time period, someone jumped up, and the and the the worst team fell to four every year. There's no way the lottery odds have changed. Wow, yeah, very interesting. Well, yeah, definitely recommend go check out Jake's book. Um, but let's let's move on to a little Hornets talk now. Um, Chase, over to you. So I think that, especially with how the season has gone, uh, if you ask Hornets fans this question, you would probably get a very strong worded answer. But what do you think the perception around the league is of Charlotte's ownership uh, and kind of the effectness, effectiveness of their front office and the tendencies that they may have in negotiations, either with trades or with free agents? Um, let me say a couple things. Number one, Mitch Kupchak is pretty respected around the league in terms of someone who's been there, done that, right? I mean, built multiple champions in in uh, Los Angeles, and he's not someone who uh, I think people think they can just like get one over in a trade. You know what I mean? Um, on the flip side, I mean, the Hornets as an organization, they're not known to be a team that is willing to spend, and I don't just mean like in free agency or like ducking the tax. I think a lot of what um, people talk about in terms of spending is infrastructure, you know, coaching staff, front office. Um, you know, when they, when the Hornets came to Brooklyn, I believe they stayed at like a four star holiday Inn, um, which like, I mean, no NBA team stays at anything below a five star property, like things like that, I think just get noticed. Um, and they are known to be, and I wrote this at the time of the Kenny Atkinson debacle um, last summer where they're, they are just historically known to be a bottom five team in terms of uh, will spending um, on staff. So that right there, I think, is just a limiting factor in an organization reaching you know the upper echelons of um, of this league in terms of competition. But then again, to like go back to the tanking situation, 
like so much of this league is just about getting the guy and like Lamelo has at least proven so far to be able to be an all-star caliber player in this league um so if they're able to pair him with another guy this summer and who knows what the other pieces will be like maybe that stuff doesn't matter at the end of the day but that that is kind of you know I talk about reputationally um that is kind of the kind of the juice out there about about Charlotte and you mentioned about Mitch Kupchuk there is he generally the do people feel like he's the person that that team speak to because there's like Buzz Williams is very involved in the front office and is obviously a very close college friend of Michael Jordan and um, like I know it used to be simple, right? General managers used to feel trade calls, whereas now you've got VPs yeah. of operations. You've got, you know, it's it's a much more complicated like negotiation landscape than it seemed yeah. to used to have been. Um, it, it is from everything I've heard. It is a Mitch Kupchak run operation, um, and Buzz Peterson, uh, I think, does a lot of internal communication. Um, you know, whether that be kind of organizing and overseeing the G League team or, you know, figuring out call-ups and two-way situations um, and other types of things. And there's definitely, I think, like a nucleus and a brain trust uh, in Charlotte. But when you talk to lower-level staffers, they'll say, oh, well, like, I haven't talked to Mitch about that. Or, like, Mitch hasn't said anything to me. And that's – I think a lot of my job – yeah, I think a lot of my job is um, kind of understanding how – these organizations work as much as trying to figure out what they're doing. Um, Cause if you figure out how they work, you can kind of figure out what they're going to do, you know? Um, and it is always interesting to learn um, which teams like a video room coordinator is talking to the GM or, you know, uh, a pretty high level scout is not talking to the GM. Like th- th- those are always to me um, valuable data points to learn. So um, I do think that from all the conversations I've had over the years, it, it does seem like kind of Mitch is the point man, um, but not for long. I mean, he, he re-signed um, an extension this summer, um, I believe. Maybe I reported, maybe someone else reported it, but I believe it was a two-year, $10 million deal. Um, and then after that, there's expected to be some options and stuff, and he might be kind of fading into the background as more of like a senior advisor, right? I don't think that's new information. Um, but that's kind of been like the the, the setup for or the expectation for a while now. I feel it feels like it's been for five years now. Everyone's been wondering if this will be the Mitch Kupchak's last season, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned about last summer. I mean, you know about the – you reported really well on the Kenny Atkinson – I don't want to call it a saga. I don't think it lasted long enough to be a saga – uh, but the, the Kenny Atkinson experience. Um, another issue that happened last summer was Miles Bridges, uh, who is still in flux right now from what we understand. Yep. Um, he uh, is being investigated by the NBA. And until that investigation is done, um, there will be no announcements or anything. But do, do you have any insight at all? On, or do you, do you have any just thoughts yourself on how you think that, might play out even with him in the NBA or within Charlotte. Yeah. Well, I mean, the team came out and made a statement, to, I believe the Charlotte Observer recently, right, and said they're not in active contract negotiations with Miles Bridges and his people. Um, but I think there's like a pretty widespread expectation around the league that post trade deadline, they will look to resign him and potentially this season. So that way, I mean, they're, 
what he has been alleged and what there is, uh, you know, photo evidence may suggest and all that type of stuff. I mean, it's not exactly, um, you know, a light piece of material. There is some, some serious allegations at play there. Um, and you know, seems to be some significant evidence as well. So there's definitely a thought, let's say, that he will face some significant suspension, whether it's, you know, 15, 20, 25 games. But whatever it, that number would be, it, people are prepared for that to be a significant, you know, that could be a fourth of the season, right? So there's definitely a thought that um, Charlotte could benefit from signing him at the end of the season to maybe get all or some of that ex, uh, suspension out of the way while obviously this season is lost and ping pong balls and Victor Wembanyama are kind of the, the guiding light as opposed to the playoff contention that they were hoping for. Um, and then that way uh, he'll be have a clean slate, I guess, to use a, probably a poor turn of phrase here. But in the NBA's eyes, at least, mm. uh, the ability to get on the court for the 23-24 season. Yeah, and then, I mean, we've discussed before him then rebuilding that trust with the franchise, the city, the fans. That's, you know, that will be something that he would have to do. But that's that's a, a really interesting update. So I'm curious of what you think of the players uh, that the Hornets have on expiring contracts are most likely to be traded this year. Uh, they have plenty of them, really. Uh, with how the yeah. season has gone, they probably wasn't weren't expecting to be fielding calls on all these guys. But, I mean, now Mason Plumlee's having probably the best season of his career. Kelly Oubre was playing really well before surgery. Jalen McDaniels also might be having the best year of his career. And he's an unrestricted free agent, actually, due to yeah. being a, a second-round pick rather than a first-round pick coming off of his rookie deal. Uh, yeah. P.J. Washington's kind of been out there for a while, but uh, it seems like he might be staying here. Do you think that any of those guys are more likely than others to be moved? I'd say just, you know, for likelihood of deals, you have to factor in a lot of things. For I mean, number one is just what the salary level that a player is on, right? Like to go to just a, a different name outside of Charlotte, like D'Angelo Russell has been a name on the trade market since the summer. He's But he's got a $30 million contract. It's not so easy to match salary in that regard. And Mason Plumley, I don't know his number off the top of my head, but I believe it's around seven, right? I think it's um, like 9.2 or something like that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean – Anything under the mid-level, right? I mean, to me, any number under $10 million is the same number because it's just easier to, to find deals that can get, can, that can get made, especially where, you know, Mason Plumlee is going to be traded to a winning team. He's, probably, he's not going to be a starting center. He's going to be more, more of a reserve type of player. So it's easier to find a deal for that level of, um, you know, as opposed to every team right now that has – someone that they're quote unquote looking to sell or thinking about selling. They're all looking for a first round pick or multiple first round picks. Like if you can trade Mason Plumley for a second, there's going to be a lot, or if you're willing to, it's going to be a lot more buyers who are willing to just throw a second on the table than, you know, send two first round picks to San Antonio for Yaka Pertle, for example. So I think he's probably the most likely, I'd say probably Kelly Oubre, the next most likely. Um, I mean, Terry Rozier's name is definitely a hot name right now, but he's got a lot of years left on his deal. Yeah. And it's interesting. Some people I've talked to in the league look at that deal as a bit of like an albatross. Other people say, you know, it's only $20 million a year. Like by the time we get to 24, like the way the TV contract's coming around, like it might not be so much. And you also look down with anyone who's, a, who's an above a mid-level salary player, they're looking for $20 million. So at a certain point, I do personally believe that Terry's contract will be 
you know, pretty consensus viewed as a decent, you know, market value contract. But right now, I think there's still a bit of sticker shock, especially with how many years are left on that contract. So do you think that his, I mean, he's been much better in the last probably two to three weeks, but do you think like a slow shooting start to the year kind of cooled things off in that regard? Because it's kind of a split consent or just uh, viewpoint among Hornets fans. I feel like whether or not that contract is like an albatross or something that might age pretty well, looking back on it in a couple of years. Yeah. No, I haven't heard too much concern about him slipping off. I mean, hearing about former Hornet Devonte Graham, like his shooting has just plummeted this year. Yeah. And that has not benefited the New Orleans Pelicans to say the least. So I haven't heard about Terry yet. I mean, I think, at a certain point, like when you put in a body of work for a while, like for Fred Van Vliet, for example, people are talking about him as like, you know, oh, maybe there's some concern as he's getting older, you know, he's slowing down a little bit. But no one thinks like Fred's washed, for example, right? I mean, Terry's only 28, like turns 29 in a couple of weeks. Um, and he's had a long track record of scoring close to 20 points a game on pretty efficient shooting from distance. So I don't think people are like, concern it's also look he's not playing with a lot of viable threats around him like it's not exactly an environment very conducive to success so yeah um, mm-hmm. i don't think there's like concern that he's fallen off a cliff or anything like that terry's always played at his best when he's been surrounded with lamello gordon because his his main threat when he's at his best i mean chase had talked about this on the podcast is when he's able to like be an off-ball scorer not when he's like being given the ball with 10 seconds left on the shot clock and go get something and any team you think he would move to would probably be a competing playoff team where he's able to play that complementary role, right? So the Lakers have been discussed as a, an option. That would be perfect. Next to LeBron, AD, he would get a bunch of shots. He'd be an off-ball mover. Um, you know, that was something I think it was reported even before the season, which was kind of keep an eye on Terry Rosier, depending how this year goes in Charlotte. And we yep. all know how the issue went in Charlotte. And it'll be interesting to see if there's, there's anything there. But Outside of the Lakers, are there any teams that you think would make sense as like Rosier destinations? I've always thought the Mavericks in some ways, but I, I just don't see them having the contracts and the assets to really get it done. But is there anyone else out there that, that you think? Well, I guess the Mavericks do make a little bit of sense. I mean, they're clearly looking for secondary ball handler creator, you know, a Jalen Brunson replacement, if you will, and potentially yeah. someone who's even better than Jalen Brunson. I mean, they continue to be linked to Zach Levine. Um that's no secret. Um, I mean, Phoenix is looking for, you know, the word is that they're looking for a backup to Chris Paul right now who can be a long-term replacement. I mean, Terry's got long-term money. Like maybe, I mean, if there's an opportunity, you know, any, I mean, the Clippers are looking for a point guard. You know, any, any team that has a need in the backcourt, I mean, they're going to at least call Charlotte and say, what's the price? How, how did our roster get to that price? Um, because there are so few people that are actually available on the market who have a proven track record of being good in this league. I've I've had a, a little a mock trade that I've been sitting on for a little while, which I think was Rosier and Plumley to the Clippers for Norm Powell, because the Clippers want the point guard and backup center. They've got a bunch of wings, and Sean like the Hornets need some defensive wings who put some pressure on the rim. I've had that yeah. one percolating in the background for a little while now. Not nothing reported, but yeah. you know, on the trade machine. I like it. I like it. Let's 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 call it in the league office. <laughs> um, are there any other names on the Hornets trade market in terms of who they might be looking to acquire that you think Charlotte could keep an eye on here? Any of the ones that have already been reported, or any that you've heard that you think 
uh, they might have interest in. I haven't heard anything about Charlotte like being aggressive trying to buy. I think the stuff that comes up, I mean, this is important to consider right now. Like teams are calling other teams and they're saying, "Hey, if you like on our roster, if you like on your roster." Like when word gets out that you know Charlotte wants this player, they're liking this player. I mean, that's just what it is that they like that player. I, I always try to be really responsible and, um, and I try to only report something that I think is like truly like, oh, this team is calling to try to get yeah. this. I have trade interest it. over than just like that guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jake, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but thank you very, very much for coming on here to talk Hornets with us again. So any of our listeners that also double as readers, <laughs> Look up Built to Lose by Jake Fisher. You can find it on Amazon, any bookstore, any independent bookstore, perhaps, in your own city. Um, you can find him on Twitter, obviously. I'm sure everybody's seen him on there. Uh, his podcast, please don't aggregate this. Uh, anything else that you'd want us to plug yeah. here at the end? Plenty of plugs. Thank you guys for having me. Glad we could make this happen. And uh, good luck the rest of the way. I know that the that March and April can be a little bit of a slog for a team competing for ping pong balls, so... I hope you guys can watch some NCAA tournament games and get your amateur scouting hats on and have a good time that way. Oh, I, th- I think we're well underway with the uh, with the amateur scouting already, unfortunately, given the, the the state of the Hornets. But thanks again for coming on, Jake. We really appreciate it. There you go. Thank you. Guys. Yeah, thanks for coming thanks. on, Jake. And uh, get some rest up ahead of next week's trade deadline. Uh, get that mm-hmm. voice back. <laughs> All right. Man. See you guys. See you back.